Welcome to Whiskey Fit, where we believe every bottle of whiskey has a story to tell. Three guys, one bottle, endless bonding. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Evan, and JJ. Welcome back to Whiskey Fit. It is episode three of season two. Yes. Um, Full disclosure, this is the third episode that we have uh, recorded in a row. So things are getting a little loose, but we're going to do our best. That sounds like a pre-apology. A pre-apology, but we're going to do the best. What is, uh, uh, who sings Margaritaville? Jimmy oh, Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. We're going to do the how best do we gotta, can. How do you ask that question? To keep it between the navigational beacons. All Very right, good job. Quote Margaritaville. Uh, did he sing that part or did Alan Jackson, Jackson sing that I think, part? I think Alan Jackson I think so. sang that part. Yeah. And we're already off to a great start yeah. here. So yeah. as always, uh, I am Evan, uh, one of the three-headed monster or mice, blind mice for that matter, mm. that line that uh, keeps this bad boy going. Lined. Already good. Uh, to my Holy 12 shit, o'clock. You're usually the straight one and doing really good with this. It's really hard to start these things off. To my 12 o'clock You do a great is, job with it. We appreciate it. This is JJ. Yeah. And to JJ's, uh, what would that be, 9 o'clock? I guess I'm third in charge today. It's Ryan. And as with the first two episodes, we told you we would bring you guests. We've had two great guests on episode one and two, and we've got another great guest okay. for you on episode yeah. three. Okay. We have Jason Cooley with us. In, and I, can I go ahead and say doctor? Jason Cooley, is that fine? You can do that. Sweet. Sure. I'm not the only doctor this time. When, we have when doctor. Somebody has doctor. earned a degree of doctor. I feel like it's the only way you should speak to them. So we have Dr. Jason Cooley. I say Dr. With JJ us. to you all the time. Jason, say hello to us. Hey, good, good afternoon. No, happy to be here. Welcome. I'm, I'm like honored when uh, Evan called me. He said, Do you want to do this? I'm like, Absolutely. Oh, Jason. Absolutely. I was honored. I'm all in. You were honored to be on. The word honor, sir. It's, uh, how many times? It's just mm-hmm. great. Three. I think it was three. Jason, um, I'm not going to steal your thunder, but tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about yourself so we can start this thing off and we can kind of know who we're talking to. Sure. Uh, I grew up in New Orleans, actually on the West Bank of New Orleans. So I spent my born and raised there. So, you know, you can save your New Orleans jokes or bring them and, you know, I'll take them all. He's saying New Orleans for all of you people that are listening that if you've never lived in Louisiana, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. Exactly. It's not New Orleans or New Orleans or something crazy like that. Um, My man. Went to the University of Southern Mississippi, got my undergrad degree and my master's there. Uh, Met my, at the time, my wife, I mean, my fiance. Girlfriend, fiance, and uh, we ultimately got married a couple of years later. Still married, so that's a, that's a plus for me and her. Um, Amen. There, we moved to uh, D.C. She got into law school at the University of American, and uh, I did some consulting up there and started working in D.C. We were actually in D.C. at the same time. At uh, the same time that I was. Yes. So we were there from 2002. Oh yeah. All the way until 2006. Isn't it? Small world. Small world. Arlington, Virginia, actually. Which is exactly where I worked yeah, was, and we, we lived at the Boston station. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah. Exactly. On Wilson Boulevard. Yes, exactly right. Unbelievable. That's where we live. Yeah, right in an apartment right there. Like, so right I was in that street. building who knows how many times. I probably passed you in the lobby at some point or on Pretty the street. Sure. I mean, Pretty sure. Ryan's so excited right now. That right. is very cool. The world is just small. It just That just goes to prove how small the world Incredibly is. Incredibly small world. And so I did some consulting up there, and we can talk about that because that was a lot of fun living in D.C., living off the hill and doing on-the-hill consulting as well. Pretty, I mean, for us, two kids that grew up in Louisiana and Mississippi, um, you only knew what you knew, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. And so when you take it and you go to one of the most – I say not the largest city in the world. Of course not. But I consider it to be top five most important cities in the world, sure. if not top three. Yeah. And when you put some two kids from the south there and you start saying, just go, 
I mean, we learned an awful lot very quickly. For sure. And I loved it. Still to this day, if we have vacation long weekend, we'll just fly up and just hit the sites and just do DC like tourists again. So I can attest to that for the people listening because I actually asked Jason because um, Brittany and I are uh, possibly going to go up to DC uh, in the fall as just a, a getaway for her and I. And so I reached out to Jason and said, hey, man, tell me. Give me some key points, yada, yada. And uh, I got a, basically an essay back, uh, which was fantastic, full of information of if you stay here, go here, if you're going to stay here and looking for this time. And it was uh, it was incredible. It was more than I was expecting, but also helped a whole lot in this planning process. Um, you were in D.C. You're in Arlington, Virginia. And then you somehow made your way. Well, when did you get your doctorate? When did you go get your I PhD? Got, I got my PhD in 2010. And so how we got to Texas was we literally – she finished uh, law school mm-hmm. and I actually got into law school at the University of George Mason. And so all of my friends were her friends and they were all either law students or just brand new attorneys. And, you know, I said, they're doing it. I can do it too. And so I took the LSAT, didn't do great on the LSAT, but I did enough to get into George Mason's night program at law school. So I was going to go to law school. And then we started thinking about, and this is DC at the time, 2005, we had a two bedroom Two bath apartment right there next to Boston. Yeah. And it was 997 square feet. And we were paying two grand a month for it. <laughs> I want to throw it out. Okay. Oh, five. And, oh, five. yeah. And oh, paying yeah. an extra $100 a month for extra parking space. Okay. Yeah. And one day they sent us a letter and said, Congratulations, we're turning the top fours of this apartment to condos and you can come in and buy it right away. And I'm like, it's half a million dollars. Mm. So now you're looking at two people. You know, I'm working on a hill, not making a whole lot of money and living off of law school and student loans. We're like, we got to get out of here really yep. quickly. And so we literally looked at the map and said, where do we want to live? And uh, her dad was in Austin. Our parents were in Louisiana, Mississippi. Um, we didn't know anyone in Texas outside of that. So we picked Dallas and came down and got jobs pretty quickly, really quickly. And so I started working for a municipality out west in Tarrant County uh, doing audit stuff. And that uh, sounds, by the way, anybody that's like, I'm in auditing, my job is like, that sounds like the most boring job that one could have. Yeah, it wasn't. I was actually internal auditor for a police department and it was completely different than that. It was money, drugs, and guns. That's what the chief told me. He said, you need to follow those. You, you do that. You'll keep me out of trouble. Money, guns, and drugs. And so all day long, everything I did was go out to vice narcotics, check on their stuff. Go to the property room, make sure everything's good. Go down to the jail, make sure the jail's good. I'll rinse and repeat over yeah. and over again. So, so, so that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We've got to, we're, before we, because we're going to dive too far into this, but as always, I feel like I've said that a few times now, yeah. it is a whiskey podcast. Oh, yeah. And J- Jason did bring us a, a fine looking whiskey. Here. Jason, what did you bring for us? This is a whistle pig piggyback rye. It's a six year age rye. I think this is some type of select thing either, um, but I really... Legends series. I, I have a short story about this piggyback. Yes. Do it. Tell us. What do we got? I have not touched this bourbon for over two years. This okay. particular type of bourbon. All right. All right. Okay. This was my COVID bourbon. Yes. Um, Ryan's already on board. Ryan. I've got like 70 of those, so, but that's okay. cool. So they're, <laughs> they're all around us. <laughs> So COVID happened, did so many great things. So my neighbor and I, we started our own kind of whiskey club. And it was just nice. the two of us. And what it was, was he bring he brought me a bottle. And the rule was, and we would split the bottle. 
So he's something we never tried. 750 before. milliliter bottle? Yeah. Mm, good job. So it's like in a put in a Yeti or something, whatever. <laughs> With a cork. And what he would do with we would say the same thing. Drink it neat, drink it on ice, and yep. make a drink. So we, we had oh. to make a drink. You yeah. had to and but our drink was old fashioned. Yeah. Standard, bitters, a little simple syrup, and that's it. So we were consistent. Yeah. This is what you do. And so we did this round and round. I would bring him something, bring me something. Well, this particular bottle was for his birthday, and we were at, over at his house. I was going to give it to him and just drink it for him. We ended up drinking a whole bottle that night, <laughs> and it didn't go well. And yeah. so that's, I'll just leave it at that. It didn't go well. Yes. And uh, so I have not touched a piggyback rye since then. Since so this then. is my, my first time drinking it since then. But it was good. It was good. I think it comes in a little hot. But uh, what yeah, is that? What is the proof? It's a looks. It's, uh, no, it's 95, 95 96-ish, something right. like that. Yeah, I can get down with this. So, yeah, 96.56. Again, full disclosure, keeping things just so that mm-hmm. he talked about having a drinking buddy during COVID. So mm-hmm. when I texted Jason and asked him, do you want to come on this and, and have a good time with us? Jason, much like anybody that I think that would work in municipalities, like does their homework of what they're walking into. So he goes back and listens to a lot of our episodes and and he texts me one day and he goes, your bomb episode, yes. and your Jaeger bomb episode reminds me of college, specifically fraternities and never again. So if I can ask you like fraternities, Southern Miss, right? Yes, sir. So why were that, was that? bomb episode so terrible for you to listen to um proud sigma phi epsilon right here sig up uh <laughs> i'm the only other person at this table that was in a fraternity so, it, so. It, it loses it's lost i yeah, get yeah. it um i joined my fraternity in 1996 no it's the spring of 97 i was a spring pledge okay and uh there was just uh when i got my bid third week of that semester it was a lot of jaeger yeah. it was a lot of jaeger and it Amen. was drink this and Drink a Red Dog, the beer of the time. You you recall that? Never heard of that. Oh, yeah, buddy. That's a good reason why. Um, So it was a Jaeger and chase it with a Red Dog. Mm. Mm. And it was real bad. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, shit, I remember that. Red Dog. Remember that? Red Dog. It was black and red can. And it had a picture of a bulldog on it. Red Bulldog. It was horrible. Oh, man, I was thinking, I heard Red Stripe, and I'm like, why no, is the Jamaican no, beer that no, bad? No, no, what, no, what, do, I, do I have problems with Jamaicans? It'd be way better if it was a Red Stripe. It would have been better, but that was it. But I don't know how many Jaegers were involved. It was just a lot. And still to this day, if I smell it, I have bad feelings. Real bad. Oh, you and JJ are both feel, you both. Are like, just that. listening to that Jaeger bomb episode, I was kind of like, Gagging in my office. It was bad. Yeah, oh like, I've only thrown up Thank once you. on this podcast, and it was because I went and had the, the, the... It's because you're a wuss. You can give everything about this. You could retell this story seven ways from Sunday. It was the Balcones fucking lighter fluid one. I think that was the brimstone or the whatever brimstone. it was. I yeah. That thing was lighter fluid. It was not whiskey. That's tough. Oh, it was so good. Okay, that was one of our. But best it was also ever. it was also the night before I went to a poker seven, seven ways from Sunday. Thing. Yeah, yeah, seven ways from Sunday. You can tell us. So, mm-hmm. all right, so you just picked up. Your wife's a lawyer, yeah, uh, or an attorney. Excuse me. She passed a bar here in Texas. You um, just say screw it. We're going to Texas. Here we go. Yeah, we went to uh, we visited Houston. Mm, okay, I don't think we need to continue. No, no we don't. That's it, enough no, right there. That's, that's good, <laughs> right? And so we went came to Dallas. We found an apartment that we liked and. I actually started interviewing for a job before we even moved back. I mean, 
we came to visit. And mm-hmm. while we were on the visit, I had a job interview. That's fantastic. Nice. So it was like moving in that direction. Yeah. And then the first week she got here, she was taking a bar review class. And the guy that she was taking a class with said, hey, my firm has needs openings, has people. And she got on literally within the second week. And we were just incredibly blessed. Wow, this is yeah. like 2005, six, and just got, got landed stuff and just got rolling immediately. So I've worked in a couple of different municipalities sure. all over the Metroplex. Um, I started my PhD work in 2007. Uh, it took me four years in a semester. What was the reasoning for the PhD you wanted to go after it? Be terminal, to be to be finished, to yeah. do everything. I have this, some people will say I have this kind of personality, you want to finish it. You want to, if you start something, you want to go and do everything you can. You know, I did a triathlon, I ended up doing Ironman. Um, that's what my <laughs> wife says. You kind of kind of have this addictive, like finishing personality. And that's where the PhD was. PhD was more of a, it's a war of attrition. I mean, it literally is 15 of you start and only five of you finish at any given time. It was pretty rough, but it was just work. And I actually enjoyed the discourse. I enjoyed going to class. I enjoyed working with my classmates. Some of my classmates, I I have happy hour with now, maybe once a month, still some people from there. And it was 12 years ago. Um, And you got it obviously locally. Yeah, I got it at UTD, UT Dallas. Mm-hmm. Very nice, prestigious, very prestigious uh, university. They've gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. It's been 10 years now. You go back to that campus, it's huge, and it's changed completely. And our program was great. It was uh, geared towards working professionals. Um, so we had class two or three times a week, starting at six. You went from six to nine, three times a week, which was rough. And you know, just like anything else, I'm sure any of us have gone through, you had someone that was your supporter. And at the time, my boss... Uh, when I worked for that police department, he literally, he had a PhD and he literally said, you either do this or you go get your PhD. He's like, you're not going to just sit around and do this. And so he was, and I said, well, for me to get there at six o'clock, I'd have to leave at four o'clock, you know? Right. He says, leave at 3.55, you know, go on the classes that you, the days that you need. So he was my supporter. He still kind of pops in once a a year on LinkedIn and checks how I'm doing and stuff like that. So he was a big benefactor. Just say, go do it. And finish it. So it took me, like I said, four years in a semester. So maybe you said this and I just missed it. No. What's your PhD in? It's called uh, public affairs. It's the uh, management of governmental entities and nonprofits. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was your, and I know for a fact you didn't say this, because what was your undergrad and master's in? Where uh, did At any point, did you get in poli-sci? Speech communication oh. was my undergrad degree because I was a business major and I did horribly in some math class that I can't remember. And my advisor's like, you're not, this is not, you're not cut out for this. And I said, thank you. I understand that. So he put me in a math for like football players. And I'm like, that's great. Respect. Math, respect. You know that. And so I'm like, yes, I'll take that. Real high level. And that was the last time I made an A in math. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, and so so I went around and I looked at the course catalog. Where is the least amount of math? And it was speech communication. And they had actually a really good program. Um, at the time, a lot of people were doing pharmaceutical sales coming out of that program. And so that was their big push. And, you know, do pharmaceutical sales. You This is your degree. So I did speech comm. And then I just ran into a political science thing. And I loved it. And I got my master's in political science. I, and I that's when I started making really good grades yeah. in, in poli sci. You class. found something that you actually enjoyed, that you loved? Just crushed it. Loved it. And got so it. you – and now, again, we, we've all got a relationship with, with J.C., off of this podcast, so we know that a little bit about him. But you got your PhD, but when did you start educating people? When did you sure. start teaching? Oh, probably about ten years ago. Right after I got the PhD, um, I did a quick class at Colin, mm-hmm. and I loved it. 
and it was smaller. And then about five years ago, I got asked to do one at UNT, mm-hmm. and that was a completely deal, different deal when you do that. Sure. I mean, you're like, this is a big time, big time college now. It's a four-year degree. Yeah, it was serious. And so um, I have juniors and seniors now, mm-hmm. and we teach uh, Pathways to Civic Engagement. That's what we call it. Okay. Um, majority of my students are in their uh, late 20s, early 30s. Um, so these are people that started a, a degree at some point in time, and UNT has this incredible program where they take all your associate degree credits and just give you credit for it all the way up to like a junior. And so all of my students, I say, I still call them kids, but I mean, I have 50 year olds in my class and um, we're 18 months and we're getting degrees. And so we're pushing. And so it's a really good program and I have 50 students right now. Dang. Dang. 50. And a full-time job. Good Lord. But I it's enjoy on the side, it. right? it's, it's my hobby, but I really enjoy it. It's just something I, I like to do and just a lot of fun. Yeah. My God. So, He's taking a sip on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan's already done the Google machine. I can see that. JJ, you start us this time. Mm-hmm. Neat. What do you got? Oh, Lord. Like, it's 100% rye. This thing is is kind of rocket fuel to the taste buds. It is scotch without the peat in some ways. Like, there, there's, a, there's a punch to the tongue with this. It's got some earthiness. Mark. Hmm? Keep going. <laughs> Mark, punch to the tongue. Is that what you're marking? <laughs> so you're, 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 are you working with Aaron on the side of this? So this thing actually is, it's, it's, it's big. It's, I don't know that I would go out and pick this one up. I've always thought I'd really like uh, the whistle pig, but man, like the hundred percent rye might be a little bit, I, I don't know if I can do that. That one's rough. The, like the, throwing it back to some of the other ryes we've had on here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm a rye guy, like, except for that double rye. Well, ryes are very specific and in, in whistle pig their self, that's their pride. Like their line are, is rye. They have six different versions. Uh, they're all rye. They're all 100% rye with the exception of one, which is their only bourbon that they have, their regular whiskey bourbon. It, here's one I've never used on this podcast before. A cinnamon, cinnamon, right? I got that. I've, we've used that. Here's the other part, though. I've never tasted, which I love. Like a dusty hay bale. Uh, have you ever been in a barn with a dusty hay bale? In That's my, In my nose. Well... In your nose? Wait, is that what you most said? Most of your smell comes from your nose. Correct. Most of your taste comes from your nose. So when I tasted it, as weird as that is, I got a little cinnamon burn, which we've noted I like. And then I got this dusty hay bale, which okay. was kind of enjoyable. That was neat. I haven't the, had it on ice yet. The only yet. thing I would add to it is I, I got turpentine smell, like the taste. I've got a little bit of turpentine with it. And that might be what I like is 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 pushing me back a little bit on it. I got turpentine. JC? Now I remember, frankly, why we drank that bottle. I like this. I, yeah. I, 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 I do. Um, my buddy it's and bad I. Bad news for we, JC for yep. the rest of the night. We, we like we like the rye. Rye is very specific, and yeah. some people either some people like or don't like, and that's just where they stop. I get that hot cinnamon out of it, mm-hmm. and that's probably the biggest piece that I get. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I just like it. I like the smell. I like the way it goes down. Yeah. I like I like making drinks out of the rye. You know. Yeah. The, rye's typically and rye's are typically sweeter with all that, right? So typically in something mixed, especially when you start talking about old fashions with bitters and stuff like that, and some simple syrup is usually a lot better for that. I agree. Yeah. That would cut it for me, and that would be perfect. Sure. This would be a perfect old-fashioned for me. I think this is an old-fashioned drink, person. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Evan? It's just spicy to me. It's just hot. Yeah. Like it's, it's, but we've, we've established. We know mm-hmm. what my intellectual level is when it comes to the palate. It's just it's spicy and it's hot. So I put it on ice. I haven't tested it yet. It'll be very uh, – we'll see what it changes. But when y'all drink a whole bottle, uh, I'm curious, on ice or neat? So 
the night started with old fashions. Oh. It, it started with old fashions, like doubles. Yeah. And then it ended. I remember the last one was just straight. Straight, straight. yeah. I could deal with that. I yeah. could have gone that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you have a couple of doubles, three, four, yeah, and then you, yeah, you yeah, know. I, I could have gone that way with it. It's you like know, the typical college thing of like, you know, hey, when you got there, the girls were like fours, but by around two, they were like nines. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never Same idea. No, no, I was, I was good. I didn't. I never went to college, I, yeah. but well, I've heard yeah. stories. Yeah, but you never went to bars when you were single either. Like, I never that did that never either. Happened. No. No. Uh-uh. no. I was too busy in my career. Yeah. There's a point about what you just said, though. <laughs> but way before the bars, way before the girls, way before all of that, that always has hung up on me is when people, when they're at home, much like we're here when you're at home and you're like, hey, I'm going to have some whiskey. And Ryan just described it and he's like, I'm going to start with some doubles yeah. or I might have a single or a triple. What always makes me laugh is I don't believe those people because I don't believe those people got a shot glass out, filled the shot glass up, dumped it in the glass, filled it up again, dumped it in the glass. It was like, honey, I'm having me a double here. Do you want you you want a single or what What do you want me to No, every one of us does the same fucking thing. We get a glass out, we put it down, and we're either putting ice in it or we're not putting ice in it. You fill it up and you're like, that's like three and a half fingers. That seems to be good, which ends up being like a quadruple by that's the end of it. That's not 100% true. So a chef... Because of years of You're not a chef. I, like, mother trucker, maybe I am with alcohol. Mm, right. I, no, I know you too well. I do want to ask, so back to JC. So a little bit rewind because I'm, I think, especially Ryan, is really Whoa. encapsulated by drugs, guns, and whatever Gosh. the third thing was. I just got stuck on jug, the auditing of drugs and guns. Mm-hmm. If you can expand on kind of that job role and sure. is... I didn't realize that was something that you had. No, did not. That was the biggest part. Um, (laughs) Internal auditor for a police department. um, I think it was uh, originally called like operational analyst, but it was an actual internal audit. And I worked for the chief and it was those three things. And he literally said, those things would keep us out of the paper. Yeah. That's it. And what he wanted to make sure is that we were adhering to policy and procedure and all that stuff. So- Going out to Vice or Narcotics, they're supposed to have a certain amount of petty cash, if you will, mm-hmm. buy buy money. Audit that. And that's some of the filthiest stuff you ever want to see because they're literally doing buy bus with it. And so it's like money with crack on it, you know? And so I'm in there counting it, making sure you're supposed to have 500, you have 500. Yeah. Did you that's glove it. up? Do what? Did you glove up? Oh, way? yeah. I had lots of gloves. <laughs> going to the property room and making sure that. You know, things are being cataloged properly and making sure that it's there. Because, I mean, it's a chain of evidence type stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a gun there. There's, you know, drugs. There's paraphernalia. Making sure that all that stuff is ready for for trial and making sure it's being secured. More that it was secure than that, you know, it's there. Making sure that it had all the right controls. And same thing. I went down to the jail. You know, I spent a lot of time in the jail making sure we at the time – Making sure that you came in with 30 bucks and you left with 30 bucks in your wallet. You know, it was a 48 hour holding facility. So you weren't there forever, but you walked in for your DUI or something else that you came in with and you walked in, you walked out with everything that you had. Jason wanted to point at me and that's fair. I didn't point at all. I yeah, just yeah, I mean, he, he looked straight at the table and <laughs> <laughs> talked to JJ. I didn't say, I didn't so say I didn't, anything. I, so I honestly, that's kind of nifty. I didn't realize that that is something that you audit. Well, it is something that you audit, but it's something that you want to make sure is done properly. All right. Yeah. You don't want people to go to jail for whatever they went to jail for. Sure. 
and walk in with a hundred dollars and walk out with ten. You know yeah. that that's not right. And so yeah, it's a it's a making sure that you you treat people even if they've been arrested properly. And yeah. so um, I did a lot of that. Uh, just. I learned an awful lot in two and a half years. So how did you, I mean, you, cause you said you came down and when y'all were visiting, just looking for apartments, you just had this interview. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you just go to the white pages and it's like, yeah, it's I'm hiring crazy. an audit. It's crazy. You know, back in 2005, it was monster. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do I remember got monster, my yeah. job off of monster.com. My first job in oh, DC. Sh- yes. Nice. Yeah. Monster. My first job in DC, I applied to, uh, jobsmonster.com. That's how I got my job. Yeah. But I was looking at, um, legislative jobs on the Hill and it would be listed. And I would take my resume every morning and put on my suit or a shirt and tie. And I would have 30 hard copies of my resume. And I take the train down in the Capitol building and they, there's, you know, hundred openings. And I go and I give a hard copy of my resume to these people for a legislative aid or a legislative consultant job or something like that every day i did it for 32 straight days are you thankful that you never got hired absolutely on the hill and that you're here doing what you're doing 100 i say that because i have friends yeah that have been not necessarily stuck but in that role and it's hard to get out of it yeah. it's hard to get in but once you're in it's really hard to do something else because you've been a legislative consultant for yeah. 16 years is there and it's trade back and forth with that like you go off the hill for a little bit to the corporate world come back or is it just you're always on the hill it's hard i mean you, you got to get out pretty quickly so you can do some yeah. consulting i guess i'll be the i'll be the uneducated one here and i'll ask the question that i feel like can you can we get a definition like what exactly is legislative consulting or what exactly did you do when you were on the hill or you were off the hill consulting to on the hill? so on the hill means you're you're at the Capitol building okay you're working directly with your legislator so you're an aide for a senator or a congressman or something like that you know there's a lot of those people right and they need a director a assistant director. And a, a legislative aide, which is the lowest level, and they need about 10 people in between that. And so each one of those people will hire a staff of maybe 30 or 40. And sometimes they make sure they throw back to their own home constituents, right? Sure. So there's a group from Mississippi and Louisiana, and they make sure they have some people from Louisiana and Mississippi in their, in their, their thing. Off the hill, those are your consultants. Those are the people that take the train every day in or take the bus over or drive over, and they're working with them, but they're not government employees. So off the hill people are usually on the other side of the river, the Arlington yeah. side, and we're consultants. You know, we're supporting those people, whether it be performance management or strategy, mm-hmm. lots of strategy, um, things like that. But and then you have multiple clients. And so off the hill people love it because but you're not on you're not you're not showtime. Right. You know, you're not you're not big. At the time. end of the day, you kinda get to go home and you're like, Yeah, I'm good. I'm done. Exactly. You can walk make away. More money off the hill too. Yeah. A lot of people make more money off the hill. Absolutely. So what then what led you you're a guy with a poli sci obviously you already said you made better mm-hmm. grades when you went into poli sci. Mm-hmm. You go to DC because we established that your wife was in school. Yeah. Hey, I want to be a consultant. There's a million people that show up to DC every year with MPAs, Masters of Public Administration, thinking that they're gonna change the world. Every year. You think that you're gonna you're gonna be the one that changes policy or be a consultant or lobbyist, lots of lobbying. And then you realize you're one of another million from Idaho or Ohio or whatever. And then you have to find a niche. And that's why it took me literally 32 days of pounding the pavement to find a job in 2002 
and I was lucky to get it. And I was making 30 grand, 28 grand off the hill, across the river in the courtyard. Yeah. And at the courtyard metro stop at some little consulting firm that actually is still there. And so, and I was so ecstatic to get that job. He called me. I put in my app on Monster and he called me like two hours later. And he's like, can you interview? I'm like, sure. He's like, when? He's like, five o'clock. Five o'clock today? Shit, yeah, I'll be there. And so, and I got the job the next day. <laughs> and I worked there for about two and a half years. Off the hill consulting, performance management and strategic planning. Yeah. And then you just went, once your wife graduated, or excuse yeah, graduated from law school. Mm-hmm. And you had done it for two and a half years. That's when y'all were like, yeah, we're... Mm-mm. Yeah, it's a hard life. Yeah. It's a hard life. It is a hard life to live. Um, I tell you a story that... Uh, and this is typical DC for me. This is my DC kind of... This this was us leaving. It was... We knew we couldn't stay in that apartment complex. We had to go. And we found a house that was not far from the metro. We could walk to the metro. And it, it was in our price range, like two grand for a two-bedroom house. It had a finished basement. And we're like, hmm, this Yo, is that's a- that's huge there. Yeah, it is huge there. Finished, fully finished basement. You could rent yeah. that stuff out. No, the owner was renting out the house. He wanted to continue to live in his finished oh. basement. Oh, and we're like, he's like, you'll never hear me. <laughs> <laughs> but so there's a back door by the kitchen that led down to the basement, and he would be there all the time while we lived in the house. And I'm like, I just can't. I can't wrap yeah, my head just around. Can't get that. over no, it. No, yeah. no, no. So, yeah. so we did not decide to do that, and we decided to kind of pull up and find somewhere else to go. So, but we love DC and we still, you know, I I listened to one of your podcasts earlier and you mentioned while you were up there, how things were still crazy after years after 9-11. Sure. And I remember, you might remember this, a tanker truck fell off of, um, what is it? Oh yeah. Off of 395. Yeah. Tanker truck fell off of 395 Mm -hmm. and the explosion rocked my apartment complex. And I immediately said to my wife, I think it's happening again. Yeah. And that's when we all had plastic sheeting, you know, to cover up the ducts in your air air conditioning ducts. And we didn't, we didn't have face, we didn't have a mask or anything like that, but we had a box of supplies that had plastic sheeting in it. And when that happened, I was wondering if you remember that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But tanker truck fell off the highway by the Pentagon. Yep. And it took, sent the city into shock for like a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Did you have to respond? Uh, it was a, it wasn't a day that I was working, Okay, but it, yeah, it had, fell off at 395 on the Washington Boulevard, right on the 27. So a truck fell off. Yeah. It was just an accident. Just a tanker truck, just a gasoline tanker truck, just an accident that happens all the time. But I mean, falling off of a, falling off a bridge happens all well, yeah, the time. I mean, it, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, the guy wrecked either. it, fell off the bridge and Dude, caught fire and had an like explosion. Well, I don't so, know why I mean, it happens like 30 and 20. Like you see the tanker there. trucks go, the, yeah. the, 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 it just happens. Shit all the time. We the can news. see the fire. I mean, the smoke from our apartment, from our balcony. And we were like, there, there were obviously years after nine 11 in that specific area. And I'm sure New York and places like that, where everybody was super sensitive. Sure. So any little thing that, cause what people often forget it. I mean, if you have to rewind 20 some years is like, yes, the day of nine 11 happened, but over the next two or three years, it was crazy. Like people were trying to bring bombs in their shoes on, or you know, explosive devices on their on their Shoe in their bomber. shoes on planes, and uh, it was the whole anthrax scare. Like I was about to ask, that, wasn't the anthrax scare like, like, like it, as crazy as nine like eleven was? Like nine eleven was like a day and right. an incident that you know lasted. That anthrax shit yeah, that, that gripped the DC region for yeah. oh. year or more. 
Like it was crazy. So my consulting so, firm yeah. had a guy had a package and he opened it up and there was white powder everywhere. And we just didn't know what to do. People just started running. And yeah. we're like, I don't know why we're running, right. but we're going to run. And it yeah. was, someone was playing a joke that wasn't really funny and it sure. was like baby powder or something. But we were all like, okay. The other thing that happened was people would, people would test the response of stuff. Sure. And so I was in a Metro one day and this guy just walks into Metro, comes down sits a briefcase down and runs, just yeah. takes off running. And he was from the newspaper and he wanted to see how the subway sure. would respond. Uh, he got, obviously he got fired for that. And yeah. People just scattered. I think some lady broke her leg, but it was just, that's the, the climate that we lived in when we did. I was yeah. also there for the sniper. Sure. Oh, yeah. That was, a, that yeah. was Lee Boyd Malvo or whatever that yeah, guy's Lee name. Yeah, Malvo. absolutely. That shit was crazy. Yeah, man. that was crazy. And so that was what, six months of that yep. probably. Yeah, and, and that was and, all over the DC region. That was Maryland. That was DC. That was Virginia. So that was everywhere. The yeah. church that we went to, and we kind of dabbled with this church. It was right down the street from our our apartment complex. He shot a lady at that church that was at a gas station. And so yeah. when that happened, we were like, "Wow, this is really, really close." And so we start going. Sorry, we start okay. going. We start going to Market Street and zigzagging. Yeah, you know, everywhere you go, you're just like thinking that the snipers here, and you're yeah, like, "All right, we're crazy. good." But then the next day, someone got shot. Yeah, it's crazy. That lasted six months. It was, it was just yep. insane. Good lord! Yeah, yeah. It, Ryan's well, just shrugging to it. Just like, well, another day, in, another day in paradise. Well, him. it's yeah. I mean, it was a crazy time, but it's it's why I often get accused of being like <laughs> emotionally insensitive to a lot of things, or maybe I'm not um, empathetic enough in some sure. situations sure. And, and stuff like that. It's just because it it I lived that life for so long. Sure. Where it's like. When there's an emergency or something happens, like the people that die are the ones that panic. Mm -hmm. The people that have their shit together that have thought about something before they get there are the ones that survive and make it out, right? That type of stuff. So anyway, that's so yeah, that's my shrug moment. Two and a half years, you and your wife are like, yep, see you. We're going to Texas. She gets down here. She gets a job. You get a job. How long did you get to hang out with drugs and money and cars and all that kind of stuff? Uh, it was about three years there. And then I, I moved on to the next city, and I was the budget director of a smaller town. Uh, really focused on budget, performance management, purchasing. I ran a purchasing shop. Uh, then I went to another city, much larger, uh, ran their budget. It was like a $200 million budget. Mm. And so did that for about five or six years. So yeah. you want off, um, again, in conversations you and I had, and I, you once told me, um, we were in a synopsis, I'm going to say this wrong, but basically synopsis of uh, at the federal level, not much gets done. At the state level, mm -hmm. yeah. more gets done. But at yeah. the city level is yeah. when yeah. in government and in politics, you can get a whole lot done. That's yeah. perfect. And you didn't fuck that up at all. That's no, great. If you can... Expand no. upon that yeah. in our, in and, our form. and it's not a it's not a a slight against the federal or the state level, but it's just if you want something done that will affect your life tomorrow, your mayor, council, city manager, especially in the state of Texas, yeah. have the ability to do it tomorrow or in the next two weeks. Right, that's the time. That is the time frame of change in municipal government. It's two weeks. We meet council meetings happen. That's when we can vote on things every two weeks. That's where change can happen. I don't. I can't tell you what federal government looks like, and I can't tell you what state does. I know those wheels are much larger, and everything has a lot more controls and stuff like that. But I will tell you, in state and local, the local level, you you can call your council member tomorrow, and chances are he or she will pick up the phone 
or email you back or have someone email you back. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so all of us have that opportunity. And so I just, I think the local level has the ability. And that's why you have people like myself, you know, in there. It, it, sometimes it's hard. Right. But other times it's like, I can make a change for someone literally in a couple hours, you know, and I, and we do it all the time, especially where we work. It's just like, something's wrong. I can put, I can put resources to it tonight and fix it for you tomorrow. And so that's, that's what keeps us going on it. The problem mm-hmm. local level yeah. is it's fucking run by the old people that just pay attention to shit and turn people into for the stupid shit and, and complain about the nonsense bullshit. I, Hey, I, I think there's issues everywhere. I, I no, 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 I get you. And it's just, I got a neighbor that's an asshat. We, that's the, that's the thing is it's our neighbors. That's the thing. Yeah. It's your people. It's, it's, it's someone your, that's right next to it's you. It's your neighbors. It's the guy down the street. It's the guy that in, in your, your carpool lane. Yep. Those are the people that are are working for you and doing that as opposed to the folks down in Austin or the ones in D.C. Yeah. So you have a unique opportunity. I know I sound like I'm selling and I could be, but and it's the reason why I've done it for almost 20 years now is because we have the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And so in right in the right places, it happens. In some bad places, it happens really poorly. And yeah. I think that's the other thing. And we always tell people, you vote with your feet. Mm-hmm. You vote with your tax dollars. You don't like where you, you don't like how it's going. You can vote or just go. You Leave. Know, find find it. Find a city yeah. that that reflects what you want it to look like, even if it's a little bit further away. I know it's yeah. tough sometimes, but it happens. And as like as the wheels get bigger, like what you're talking about, I think there's like less ideologies in a in a smaller type of government or a smaller type of city or whatever it may be. And of course, as, as the city gets bigger or the government gets bigger, then those ideologies play more into it. But it's like, I, it, it also, the local stuff doesn't catch headlines. And that's unfortunate because it, it really is the only places like I know I've spent the last COVID we've had this conversation. COVID had changed a lot for me as like, I like, I think most people just buried my head in the sand and essentially just trusted that all government and whatever it may be local state or federal was going to fix it or take care of me type of thing, you know, type of deal. Anyway, I won't launch my way into that. (laughs) Right. But government sucks. But the the interesting thing is that I've spent more time over like maybe even the last year, year and a half on, on specific issues that I really care about where when there's something that I'm just not jiving I just look up my senators and my congressmen and email them. And the cool thing is, is what you were just saying. I always get a response back. That's amazing. Right? Like, like our Cong- my local congressman, I'll typically get something back in a day or two. Yeah. Senators maybe are a little larger, three, four, five days, which is fine. I understand. But it's nice to know that you can reach out to those folks and I've not done enough, I think, locally. I when I start thinking about these yeah, bigger uh, bigger deals, I need to engage more locally, I think. I will tell you that if I get the email from a citizen that has contacted the mayor and said, I have an issue, it's and once I get the email, it's probably top priority and I need to get it done probably two hours. Yeah. Maybe five at the most, if, it, if it's late, you know? But- a resolution will be had in regards to at least you will get a phone call back. Yeah. You're going to look into it 
now. Whether it's legitimate or not legitimate, because be, I'm sure there's a lot of illegitimate oh, things that come in too. Happen, if it, but, but if it makes it to the a, a yeah. person of influence's desk, if it's not just the the old man, a response is what's needed, regardless. Right. And so it might not that's be what people me. want. It might not be me all the time. Yeah, and it might be someone. Um, we have some folks that work with us, and you know, hey, research that and send this person a response yeah. by the end of the day. Yeah, man, get it done, and that we do that all the time. Yeah, and I think. I'll tell you a perfect example, and I'll, I'll say this cities by, by name, is when we lived in Dallas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and at the end of our street, at the end of my driveway was a massive pothole. I mean, huge. And it was, and it, my wife and I would have to dodge the pothole to get out of it. And otherwise, we would scrape. And so I emailed the public works director, and I said, hey, it's a giant pothole. When can I get it repaired? And some public works analyst sent me back. No response. The response was attach CIP plan, which is a capital improvement plan. And that was it. Capital improvement plan was 800 pages long. Yeah, I was going to say, they want you to read that. Right. It was 800 pages long. And I guess the implication was that whenever that pothole was going to be fixed, it was in that document. <laughs> Somewhere. Know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to read that. I could have gotten right. frustrated. I, email, I just took the whole email stream and I sent it to my local representative. Yeah. And I actually saw him at a meeting, a community meeting. I said, this is what happened to me. I emailed it to him. About three days later, I get an email from the public works director. Yeah. And about a week later, they filled that pothole. Yeah. Took him an hour. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it wasn't even done great. It was just sure. come out there and put some stuff in it so that, and that's yeah. good enough for now. Which is good enough for now until, yeah. But yeah. that's, that is local government right there, especially yeah. when it's run wrong. But then when attention is grabbed. I agree. Yeah. From someone that's lived here for pretty much my whole life, minus seven years. I know nothing about politics, and I've told you that, and I'm one of those people that you talk about bury head in the sand, which sure. I need to be better at. However, what I do have is I lived in Allen and was born in Allen in 88. We were a 2A town. Frisco was a blip on the map. Prosper was even smaller. Salina was even... Pro That's the area that we're in right now. And watching that over the last 30 years... But then specifically watching each of those cities and how incredibly different their outcomes have been yeah. because of what the leadership has decided. Sure. Because they all essentially got the boom the same time. Yeah, Frisco, Prosper, McKinney, Allen, we'll, we'll just leave it to those four essentially, all got hit almost simultaneously. Sure. And – they four could not be more vastly different on how they handled the population boom and yeah. how they handled everything in general from yeah. school to money to the whole nine yards. Yeah. So to your point of actually getting effect, yeah. um, once you step back and look at it, it is quite fascinating just looking at that. And I can only imagine when you look at somewhere and I know at one point where we're at now, it was the fastest growing area in the nation. I don't know. If, I know it's still like top 10 right sure. now. Mm -hmm. Thanks. West coast, but I can't imagine being in a place like, I, I mean, this is an honest to God question is New York city have all of New York city or does like Brooklyn and the Bronx and do they all have their own city officials for those little small suburbs, boroughs? the boroughs. boroughs, they have that. Yeah. And so they have borough, uh, Texas is unique because we have that manager, former government, city manager. So you have a council that's pretty strong, but then you have the CEOs of each of these cities. That's the city manager. That's what Texas is doing. Uh, when you get on the East Coast, you have counties are more important. 
Okay. Yeah. And uh, Virginia, like, for example, Virginia, is, uh, exactly. yeah, so what is Virginia? What is that county called? Um, uh, whatever it is, but the county, Fairfax. Can, yeah, Fairfax and all that Fairfax. stuff. And so those people are much more important because they're the county officials. They do all that. That's where EMS and things come in, right. health, health and human services. We don't yeah. do that in cities around here. Um, yeah, they do. But when you start talking about those areas, the density of population is much different. And so I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're in New York and when you're in like Arlington, Arlington, I think it had 330,000 people in like 10 square miles, you know, and that would be like what we have here, but it's spread out. Right. And so how many square miles is Frisco? It's only like 30 square miles, isn't it? I think it's like 27 or something like that. Yeah. 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 But when you're in the East coast, it's just so, so densely populated. That was what we were, my wife and I were shocked at when we visited Boston last year. Oh, you sure? It's like, I mean, you can run from one side of the other to Boston very quickly. Yeah. And the amount of humans in that one area, it's just like, oh, dear. Well, God. everything goes vertical. vertical. That's why everything is vertical. Absolutely. Like, that's the key. And that, that's the big difference in, in Texas, which I love about it, is that it's, it's so flat and wide open. And most counties and cities want to keep it that way. So they build horizontally yeah. as opposed to vertically. Because, yeah, I mean... Arlington, you know, in Virginia is one of those places where it's it's only like 19 square miles. It's right. not very big. Right. And within 19 square miles, you also have the Pentagon mm-hmm. and the airport mm-hmm. and Arlington National Cemetery. So, so there's like, a whole lot of land that's not There's a whole lot of, yeah. So in those 10 or yeah. 12 square miles of livable, yeah, I mean, you got 300,000 people. You've got four or 500,000 people because like the Pentagon itself employs 25,000 people. Sure. On a daily basis. Sure. And most of those people are in and out of the city, but everything's vertical. It's just totally, it's just totally it's different like the there from here. population up there. Yeah. Well over a couple of million. Yeah. Daytime so and nighttime commuters. are different yeah. populations. Yeah. 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 People just coming in on a train yeah. and, you know, for five hours a day and then five hours in the afternoon, people are just shuttling in and out. So it's just different. But it, it does make you govern differently, right? Sure. We, we have all this space, so... To your point, some people want rooftops. Rooftops give you property tax. Sure. Some people want commercial, like malls. Malls give you retail, and yeah. you know, and, then, and, and so you do that. Um, some people like mixes. You do both, and because when you're rooftops and you have a recession, mm-hmm. property tax goes down. Yep, you struggle. Income goes down. Absolutely. Yeah, and so you 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 end up having to let people go and stuff like that. Other times, if you have a mall and the mall does really poorly and that's where you put all your eggs in and the mall, like, what's that thing on 75, that mall? Um, Colin, that? Uh, the Collin Creek. Yeah. All right. North, you know. Park, North Park's still there, right? North Park's still there. No, um, so off 75 was Collin Creek Mall. Collin Creek Mall. Yeah. I went to it when I was younger. It yeah. was a huge, huge mall, deal yeah. when I was in the 90s and the early 2000s. It was massive. And then when they closed, because I remember my mom like shed a tear when they closed because that was... Absolutely. Well... Like what's the, there was one at like at uh, six thirty five six thirty five and then that one closed that and it had a beautiful Art Deco stuff and yep. people are still pissy about that, that thing. That one's gone. I forgot and the name then, of that mall. Yeah, there's yeah. there's one in Sherman, Texas that is basically dead at this point. And they, they built one for Sherman and Denison, and it if is, you haven't been in Willowbend lately, that's what I was about to say. Willowbend's about to go away. Malls have twenty year lifespan, and so you either re, re you do something about it or you just let it go. So yep. that's the big thing. But yeah, to your point. Everyone does something differently based upon your city. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you, and kind of the cool thing that I've seen is this uh, projection. And you know how you see the lights of cities at night, and you know you can see you know the lights and population sure. density. But like, there's a 40 year projection, and the, there's no distinction between here and Oklahoma City. 
that was hmm. in Oklahoma City. Like, so it's funny that you say that because in so in my business, which people know that I sell weight rooms, which sounds super stupid, but our VP of business development who works directly with architects. So her biggest places that she has to fly to right now, she has three places she has to fly to all the time for architects because they're it's a booming area. Kansas City is a massive hub for all national architects. I have no idea why, but it's huge. Austin, because of the amount of humans that are going to Austin right now, the oddball is Oklahoma City. They are getting, corporately, they are getting hammered with growth. And I don't particularly know why outside Oklahoma. of Oklahoma. It's the Oklahoma, it's like Oklahoma tax structure. Oklahoma, Texas and Oklahoma have very similar thought processes. Yeah. And stuff. But Oklahoma, I'm sure wide open space too. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, that, but like Oklahoma city is tore up more than really Dallas is as far as construction is. Yeah. It is a nightmare to go through. Yeah. They're growing all these areas are this whole corridor along the tollway is just growing. Yeah. It's going to be great. I mean, if you're okay with growth. Mm. On that note, let's do our, oh, yeah. damn, we haven't even done that yet. I've done it. I mean, it's I been awesome. Right. I we already know that he'll drink a whole bottle of this. I will. Uh, we started with JJ last time. He kind yeah. of sucked at it. Ryan, let's start with I you. Damn, like you sucked I didn't at like it. it man. Um, here's Not cool. Bad. This this is this is a uh, um, this is groundbreaking for me. I really love this podcast. So I started on neat with what I say, dusty hay bales. Yeah. And now I've gone to like on ice. There's this orange zesty leather taste. <laughs> leather, I get. Leather, I agree with. Damn it, and it's. That's a lot of different flavorings in one whiskey bottle. Yeah. So, yeah, amen. It's good. I, I, I'm gonna steal his leather and go with that and just move on. Like wow, said, man! Like I said, this one is rough on me because I like it. I mean, yeah. I really do. Now, now you remember why, right? Now, remember, it's been a year. It's been a year, at least maybe two, and uh, I really like, like it. So, but I still get that that hot cinnamon on it. I, I actually like my bourbons a little bit hotter than, mm. than normal. Yes, sir. And so. Um, I'm I'm good with it. I, I want to make old fashioned. Yeah. Yep, there you Dude, go. I'm down with the old fashioned. So let's go make one. I'll drink that as an old fashioned all damn day, all damn day. Uh, spiciness goes away. Yep. Water helped it. Ice helped it. I'm an Irish guy, so I wouldn't necessarily like this. Wouldn't be my go to, but it, it's not to say that it's not bad in the slightest. Yeah. Again, I stay away from palates. I think that's my resolution for oh, that's season, season two. Season nice. two resolutions. I'm not going to try to because I'm just not good at it. I give yeah. people bad. Hmm. So I'm going to give you more. Um, There's people out there like you though that want to hear. Yeah. The, how, what they're they're out there with bad palates too. Spicy. There, are, there are other bad palate spicy, people out spicy. there. Spicy, spicy, <laughs> spicy. Jason, man, thank yeah. you so much. Yes, sir. Thank this you. This has been very cool. Hey, I appreciate it. No, we uh, conversation. You brought some good whiskey besides what JJ said. It's dude, a fantastic I whiskey. I want to mix it. I don't want to drink it straight. Yeah, I, like, dude, wrong with that. Like, like, let's go smoked old fashioned, and that is sounds Look, absolutely coming from the delicious. guy that brought Kentucky Deluxe yeah. or whatever it was Dale. called. Kentucky Dale. 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 See, I can't. No I listen to the Kentucky Dale. That's scary. Yeah. It's rough, right? Next time awful. you come on, maybe we'll have you make an old fashioned yeah, with like, this. It, and like, like, the only yeah. thing is, at least it's not a fake whiskey. It's not the knot. Nice. Oh, God. On that. Signing out. See you later, guys. Bye, y'all.